thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 10, the Kansas City Royals 6. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And you know what? With the rain delay and the middle of the afternoon start time, I'm always honest with you, I did not get to watch a lot of this game being played, but I did get to chick check in on it from time to time and and, and pop in and pop out and, and listen a little bit in the car and obviously watch the uh, condensed game back on the MLB app. And what a fun baseball game, right? What a fun, competitive baseball game. Give credit to the Kansas City Royals who battle back into this thing, almost tie the game in the eighth inning before Cleveland extends the lead in the bottom of the eighth. And uh, if you just looked at the final score, 10-6, to you would think Cleveland put a thumping on Kansas City, which they did, which they did. I mean, did it ever really feel like Kansas City was going to beat us uh, in this one? Uh, but they did make it close. They did make it interesting. They they stayed in this game. They fought. They were down 5 nothing after four innings, and they fought their way back into this game. So give Kansas City credit, but Cleveland uh, an absolute fantastic game. Not only the 10 runs, but 18 hits to go along with it. Uh, add in two, uh, sorry, not two walks. Add in four walks uh, to make it 22 base runners. Uh, that way. I'm sure there were other base runners via fielder's choices and things like that. But, you know, from hits and walks, we'll say 22 base runners there. Uh, So it's a really impressive offensive showing. And the Guardians pretty much win every inning except for the seventh, right? Uh, They score in three of the first four innings. Uh, Kansas City finally gets on the board in the fifth. Cleveland extends uh, the lead, makes it six to one. Uh, Kansas City, yeah, they score two in the top of the six, but we answer right back. So they do get a little bit closer, but, you know, we did still extend our lead. Maybe the sixth inning is a wash there. The seventh inning, they score. We don't. The eighth inning, they come close to tying the game. And then, like I said, we jumped all over them and extend that lead. So we really did a good job of, of everything was pretty much in Cleveland's favor or a push for every inning in this game. So uh, winning innings, uh, scoring in multiple, multiple innings. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six out of eight possible innings, the Guardians are putting runs across the board, which is incredibly impressive to me. So uh, a solid offensive day. How are we going to break this down? Not to mention great pitching. Uh, I'm going to do something a little unique. Instead of going through these runs and stuff like that, we're going to go down the lineup, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on you know everybody's contributions uh, on the day. Uh, but first, let's start with pitching, and let's start with Gavin Williams, because I think we can all agree he was electric, absolutely electric on the day. Uh, when it comes to swing and miss, I mean, he is blowing away, blowing away the competition. He had 20, 20 pitches swing and miss. Brady Singer was the next closest with five. I mean, what a difference. In fact, Brady Singer, it's almost absurd how little they swung and missed against him. Uh, His sinker, his two-seam sinker, which he throws the most of any pitch, 48 times, they swung 27 times, and they whiffed zero. 
Zero. Off, ostensibly, what's a guy's fastball here? Zero whiffs from the Guardians. They did foul off eight of them, but they put 19 in play. With an average exit velocity of 92.7. So they were not getting cheated. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'd say the Guardians were pretty locked in on Brady Singer and what he was doing. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, Gavin Williams, what we're really here to talk about here, on uh, 31 swings on his four-seam fastball, they whiff 14 times. It's a 45% whiff rate on his fastball. Not to mention the slider, five whiffs on 10 swings. I think you can do that math. That's a 50% whiff rate right there. Uh, It's a 40% whiff rate total on the day. Add in 14 total called strikes. It's a 36% CSW. So, uh, you know, we always say that 40% is kind of that mark of eliteness. And I'd say 36% is getting pretty close to that. That was pretty close to an elite start uh, as far as gaining strikes from Gavin Williams. I know he gives up some hits in this one. Uh, He does give up a few hits. But the swing and miss is really what I want to focus on. And that fastball... I mean, he averaged 95.9. So he averages 96, and he touched 97.9. So he touches, he averages 96, he touches 98 with that fastball. And some of that swing and miss, you better believe, was up there in the high 90s. So uh, just looking at his swinging strikes here, this is going to get interesting because uh, I wanted to do a deeper dive on Gavin Williams and his swing and miss. And it's a ton of four-seam fastballs up into the arm side for the big right-handed pitcher. And we're talking 96.8. We're talking 97.7 to MJ Melendez. We're talking 95 to Freddie Fermin. Uh, Prado, who has struck out seven times over the last two games, who's having a real rough time of things. Uh, 95.6, 96.6 to Prado as well. Uh, Drew Waters at 96.3. So some serious heat on these pitches here at the top of the strike zone. These are all in the strike zone. Most of these swinging strikes on the fastball come from stuff that's in the zone or right on the shadow, right on the edge of the strike zone, including Bobby Witt Jr. uh, middle away at 97.2. That was to strike him out to end the third inning. So Bobby Wood Jr., who had a great offensive game. Uh, Don't take anything away from him. He was one hit away from the cycle here. Um, Strikes out in the third inning, I believe, to end the third inning uh, on a pitch middle away. So why is this pitch location so interesting to me? Well, I was trying to do a deep dive on Gavin Williams and on that four-seam fastball. But StatCast has not updated its data from this game. So going into this game, he had a 17.3% whiff rate on his forcing fastball. But we both know it's better than that. He already has a minus one run value on that fastball going into the game. And I guarantee the run value will be even better once they have time to add this data into it. So uh, as far as his actual stats go, they've, they've got that in there. Uh, you know, his fourth game pitch. But I, I don't think some of this advanced data has been updated yet. And I know that because uh, when I go to the pitch highlighter and uh, I search for his uh, his four-seam fastballs and I can see the whiff rate here. Uh, and 
Looking at uh, the different zones, uh, it considers zone one would be up into the arm side. So from the catcher's view up into the left is one, counting all the way down to the bottom right corner, down and away from that catcher's view to the right would be zone nine. Uh, and then 11, 12, 13, and 14 are zones off the plate. So right now uh, for zone one, uh, they say he has a 0% whiff rate, which he had a bunch, a bunch. Let's go back to this game. He had at least one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe even seven, but that was probably off the plate. That's in zone 11 probably. Uh, so six coming in that what would be zone one, that upper left corner of the strike zone. So that's how I know that you know these charts and things on StatCast have not been updated with this game's data. So I can't really do the huge deep dive I want to do, uh, but uh, I can tell you some things. His best zones for whiff rate on his fastball have been off the plate up and in. So zone 11. So these are things that are off the plate uh, up to the arm side, up to the left. He's got a 50% whiff rate up there. Uh, and then the other one is zone 6, which is middle away middle to the glove side to the right side of the plate from the catcher's view he's got a 40 percent whiff rate from that zone uh so that's why i was so interested in this one to uh to bobby witt jr to end the third inning because that fits the mold that we've seen so far so his two best zones are up tight to the arm side and middle away uh to the glove side so uh, I'm curious how this is going to be updated uh, once uh, once the data from this game is calculated. Maybe this is something we could check back in on. Uh, but just right now when he's in the zone, he has, uh, for his first three starts, he had an 11.3% whiff rate on his four-seam fastball. When he was, went out of the zone with his fastball, he had a 36.8% whiff rate. So uh, yeah, uh, that's... That fastball is a real weapon, a real weapon for him. And uh, I'm excited to see how it evolves, the locations that he chooses to use. Clearly, clearly going up in the zone is effective for him with that four-seam fastball, with the gas he can get on it. Um, so, yeah, so uh, a big day for Gavin Williams. Uh, he only lasts five and two-thirds. He can't quite get out of the sixth inning. They start to get to him in the fifth. They start to get to him in the sixth inning. Uh, he can't quite get out of it. it. Does give up eight hits, but he's only hard hit uh, six times, so limits the hard hit damage. Does give up three runs, one walk, and seven strikeouts on ninety-four pitches. I think we can all agree, all agree, a really good start and his first major league win. So that's pretty cool for Gavin Williams. Uh, now, on the offensive side of things, like I said, I mean, the Guardians were just going all night. Everybody finds a way to contribute offensively. Andres Jimenez is the only one without a hit in the starting lineup, but he does drive in a run, drive in an RBI. So everybody finds a way to contribute. But multi-hit games from many people in the lineup, Quan, Rosario, Naylor, Bell, Brennan, and Bo Naylor, have multi-hit games on the day. So, Quan, it's nice to see that uh, his swing to left field is just so good. It is one of the elite 
uh, opposite field swings in the game. But he also can pull that ball and he shoots one uh, kind of up the middle, shades of right center field a little bit. Uh, so uh, he uses all, he does use the whole field. He does. He knows that the left field is easy money. Slicing the ball to the left side is easy money for him. But when he wants to go for it, he can't pull the ball down the line if you challenge him inside, and he can't go up the middle uh, when he gets a chance to square one up. So it's nice to see how Quan can use the whole field. Ahmed Rosario, three for five on the day with two runs scored and an RBI. I, I got to say, Rosario has really, he did exactly what everyone said. Exactly. When the weather heated up and we got to summer, Ahmed Rosario started to heat up. So, I get, I don't know what the future holds, but my God, we need Rosario. Especially if Francona is just going to leave him in this two hole for the rest of the season to keep playing like this. I mean, if Ahmed Rosario keeps playing like this, this offense has a real shot at making it. Uh, Jose Ramirez does get the scoring started. He, I mean, he looking at the box score, he has a good offensive day. Uh, he only has one hit, the double to uh, kick things off in the first inning with two outs, and he comes around to score. Uh, Naylor drives him in, so he has two runs scored. He also had a walk on this day, but he also had some at-bats with runners on base, including the bases loaded in the third inning, and he hits into a double play. Uh, so it just it felt like every time I was actually looking in on it, uh, Ramirez uh, Ramirez kind of let me down. I thought he was going to have a down day here, uh, grounding in a double play in the second, and then in the fourth inning with some runners on base, he strikes out. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't realize he was having you know, a decent day offensively because the two moments that I get to see uh, were kind of his two bad moments on the day. But even with Ramirez not filling up the hit column, uh, it's great to see that the offense can still cook even on a day where he's maybe helping in different ways. So uh, great job for Ramirez of finding ways to contribute, even though the at-bats I saw – I know bases loaded in that third inning. Oh, he wants that at-bat back. You know. I mean, the whole crowd, the stadium felt ready to erupt, right? They were about to put this game well out of hand in that third inning with the bases loaded. And uh, unfortunately, grounds into the double play. Naylor, three for five on the day. Two more RBIs. He's up to 306 batting average with an 830 OPS. It's a shame this guy is not representing us as an all-star. I mean, he he is impressed so much from the start of the season. Uh, you know, he started off a little cold to start the season. And, man, uh, him in the middle of the lineup is such a difference maker. Uh, Andres Jimenez, like I said, kind of had a cooler game, 0 for 5 at the plate, but does find a way to get an RBI across. Um, Josh Bell with a big game without hitting a home run. He smacks some absolutely hard shots, including a double, a big RBI double. Uh, two RBIs on the day for him and two walks. So he's on base five times on the day. And he has some serious exit velocity on some of these shots here. So, uh, you know, he le- uh, he leads off the second with a walk, uh, comes up in the third inning. Uh, does single in the third. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the grounded double play was in the second inning. I said third inning. Ramirez's grounded the double play was in the second. Uh, he singles in the third at 110.4 mile per hour exit velocity, but it doesn't turn into anything. 
his next time up, it would be the leadoff double at 98.8. Uh, where did he come around to score? He definitely wouldn't walked in the walked in the second inning. Really impressive slide on Brennan's, uh, on straw sack fly. Uh, Brennan doubles him over to third straw with a sack fly to right field and bell on a, something pretty shallow takes off and goes and scores and beats the throw and gets a really tough slide and gets his hand in there on the plate. So I, that impressed me. I was very impressed with Josh Bell slide on the day. So hammering the ball hard, being aggressive on the base paths. Uh, man, on base five times in the middle of the lineup and driving in runs. This is what we signed up for in the offseason. Again, if Bell can figure out to have how to have a completely different second half than he had in the first half, uh, it could mean scary good things for this offense. And he got his OPS back up over 700. Uh, you know, for a big slugger like him, having OPS in the 600s is not good enough. Uh, so the big slugger, the average might be 231, but the OPS is back up over 700 at 703. Uh, Will Brennan continues to do good things. Three hard hit balls on the day. Uh, two hits, including that double that moved Bell into scoring position and a run scored himself. Uh, so Brennan continuing to be consistent from down there in the lineup. Miles Straw finding ways to contribute offensively. I, again, very hard on the guy, but uh, he does score two runs on the day. Uh, very aggressive scores from first. I don't remember. Was it on Bo Naylor's double? Uh, Miles Straw is able to score from first. Uh, so using his speed on the base pass in that way, even though he's not you know stealing bases right now, uh, finding ways to use his speed. And then Bo Naylor from the nine hole, uh, three for four on the day, including that double two RBIs from the nine hole and a run scored. Man, it's so much more fun watching him hit than Mike Zanino. Even though the results, it's a 196 batting average. And until his last at bat, he had it over 200. Then he slips back under. I know he probably would love to get that batting average back over 200 before the all-star break although he's probably not going to get his chance Gallagher does typically catch when Bieber starts and Bieber is finishing off the first half of the season uh with today's game but uh Naylor three for four of the day and what impressed me about Naylor is his swing to left field we're still waiting for the power but at least he's figured out he can use left field he can use the opposite field Get some base hits over there. Find ways to contribute. The pitchers will make mistakes. They will. His time will come. We will see the power from him. I, we all know it's there. We saw it down at the lower levels uh, in the minor leagues. If he has to just use left field for now to find ways to contribute offensively until pitchers start making those mistakes to him, I'm totally cool with it because his left field swing looks really good. Really, really good. He looks like he really knows what he's doing, uh, shooting the ball the opposite way. I just noticed this as I'm scrolling through the box score. My God, Brady Singer gives up 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 hard hit balls on 92 pitches. 13 hits, 13 hard hit balls. My God, he was getting hammered out there by the Guardians. So that's kind of my rundown of the box score. Uh, you know, some of these rallies were really great. 
And that's what they did on this day. They rallied. They put hits together. They strung hits together. They drove each other in when they were on base. Seven for 18 with runners in scoring position. Are you not entertained? Uh, that's that's the kind of baseball that I like to watch. Uh, whether it's home runs or whether it's RBI doubles, you know, I, I'll take it either way. I, I just love to see that line moving. I love to see everybody finding ways to contribute and coming up with some big moments uh, throughout the game. So uh, uh, just to mention the bullpen really quickly, you know, we just talked about Eli Morgan, and then he goes and gives up a home run. Uh, so, uh, we just got done bragging about him. And of course he turns around and gives up a run finally, uh, in this one, uh, Sam Henches does get knocked around pretty bad and it was on his fastball. Uh, it was on his fastball going over to his player breakdown page. They didn't even swing. They didn't even swing at the two sliders, two curveballs, and the sinker he threw. They were waiting for the four-seam fastball. They swung at six out of nine of them. They put three in play and fouled one off. It was some. Was it a scouting report thing? Was it just somebody knew something about Sam Henches? And they decided we're not even going to take the bat off our shoulders for the slider or the curve. We're just coming after the four-seam fastball. That's something we should probably keep our eye on, right? Is that trend going to continue? So, you know, it was a rough day for Sam Henches. Um... We're going to talk about that in a second. And then uh, De Los Santos does give up a hit but gets out of the eighth inning. So let's talk about the defensive play of the game. You're probably thinking, Davey, how have you gone 20-some minutes and not mentioned this? But it's a ball that you know hops up the wall out there in right center field. Miles Straw comes up with it clean in his bare hand, turns and fires a rocket to Andres Jimenez, who catches it in perfect fluid motion and fires a strike home to Bo Naylor. I don't even know who the runner was coming home in that eighth inning. Mikael Garcia is the one who hit the double. Uh, I'm guessing Matt Duffy was probably the first runner that scored, and Nicky Lopez was the runner that got thrown out at the plate. It's just a fine defensive play. I mean, everything in there was perfect. Perfect. You will not get a cleaner play from your defense than that. Straw taking the ball barehanded in one fluid motion and firing off that throw. Jimenez receiving the cut and and squaring up home plate. Notice he, he doesn't he doesn't in fluid motion, right? It's not like he stops, finds his target, and then throws. He does it in one fluid motion, but he definitely gets those hips squared, and it's so important when making that relay throw to lock in on your target before you, before your arm gets into that throwing motion. You've got to get those hips aligned, or uh, you're never going to be able to make that throw. And, I mean, uh, Andres Jimenez is just one of the best defenders you will ever get to see. I mean... Those of us that grew up in the 90s got to brag about Vizquel and Alomar up the middle, uh, Roberto Alomar up the middle, uh, and watching those guys play. And kids today are going to be able to brag about Andres Jimenez and watching him play defense. And Straw, and Quan, and Ramirez, frankly. Uh, you know, they got a lot of guys to brag about on this team defensively. Hell, uh, I know Naylor had his bobbles a few, well, it was probably a few weeks ago at this point, the way the time flies during the summer, but uh, even Naylor has been pretty good defensively. Uh, they're, they're sure he has his bad moments, and his bad moments look really bad, but he makes 
picks with balls in the dirt. He makes some nice diving stops. Uh, yeah, there's, but Andres Jimenez is probably the best of the best out there defensively for the Guardians. And just what a fluid throw home. And uh, give credit to uh, Bo Naylor, too. Doesn't let the moment get too big for him. You know, catches the throw and then gets that tag down. Uh, so, you know, a lot of catchers would probably rush that glove down and might not handle that throw trying to get that tag down on a bang-bang play that goes the Guardians' way. So, a big defensive play there. And it saves De Los Santos. Uh, keeps his ERA looking sparkling. Helps helps Sam Hanches, Sam Hanches too, frankly. Uh, those runs would have been credited to him. Uh, and then Classe, who was already warm before the Guardians add three runs in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, comes in and finishes off the ninth inning, and nice to see him have a clean inning. So that pretty much wraps up this game. MVP on the day, I got to go with Josh Bell in the middle of the lineup. I know Gavin Williams had a great start, gets the first win, seven strikeouts, but he does give up eight hits. They did start to get to him uh, towards the end of the start there in the fifth and the sixth inning, but Josh Bell was a powerhouse all day. The hard hit ball, scoring runs, hustling on other people's hits, on the sack fly, uh, you know, two RBIs himself, just on base five times on the day. That's huge uh, in the middle of the lineup there, whether he was the one driving in the runs or whether he was the one starting those rallies and scoring those runs. So uh, a great day for Josh Bell, giving him MVP on the day. All right, before I check out, let's go over to the inbox really quick. Our friend Marlon is over there with some new questions, some new thoughts. Um, you know, he's pumped about Gavin Williams like we all are. He was worried about Sam Henches. And you know what, Marlon, I'm going to tell you, just like hitters can be streaky and can go into slumps, I feel like the same thing is true of pitchers. And, you know, we saw it with Stefan and Classe for a moment there, and they seem to have rebounded just fine. And now it's Henches' turn. Uh, I'm not too worried about the poor outing yet. Uh, like we said, we'll keep an eye on if they, you know, if something happens where people stop swinging at a slider and curveball and they're only swinging at the fastball and that becomes a trend, then maybe we should bring this up again. But like we have any way of fixing it, but we should, you know, we should talk about it. Uh, so I'm not worried about henches yet. Uh, he, uh, he mentioned Connor Pilkington, who was DFA'd by Arizona yesterday. Uh, they need pitching depth. They're obviously familiar with him and can perhaps get him back on track. I don't know if they'd want to move Quantrell to the 60-day IL to create a possible spot on the 40-man roster. So, uh, wondering if we'd go back after Connor Pilkington. You know, I don't remember us doing this very often. Guys that leave this organization, except for like Carlos Santana, right? I'm... We went out and got him and brought him back, like made a dedicated effort to go get him. Uh, the other two that come to mind are Kenny Lofton and Jim Tomey, but they were so in the twilight of their career. And that's bringing back legends. Uh, it's not the same here. But, you know, like guys like Oscar Mercado, were, did he come back? Did he boomerang back after he was initially gone and go down to AAA? Uh, oh, boy, that's a good question. Okay, I pulled another one from my memory. Going back over his transactions, on June 21st of 2022, Guardians DFA him. Uh, Philadelphia claims him on June 27th. On June 28th, he's activated. 
On July 1st, Philly DFAs him as well. And then on July 4th, we reclaim him. Uh, and on the 11th, uh, we DFA him and send him down to AAA. He's outrighted to Columbus. Uh, and then on November 10th, so he finished up the season in Columbus, that 2022 season. And then he elects free agency. And he goes to St. Louis uh, after that. So, um, yeah. So, okay, there's someone who we let go and grabbed right back. So, I guess it's happened before. I just don't remember it happening that often. Uh, tends to be when guys are guys and leave this organization. It kind of stays that way. And Pilkington wasn't wasn't that impressive. There's other guys uh, down there at AAA right now. There's pitching depth down there. I, there's there's enough pitching depth. I don't think they have to go get Pilkington. I mean, we should talk about the futures game. Marlon, that's what we should be talking about because Joey Cantilla uh, pitched in the Futures game. So uh, while I stall to bring up the box score from that game, remember Cantilla was the guy that we got uh, in one of those big San Diego trades, I think in the Clevenger trade, and uh, he was kind of the youngest of the pitchers and uh, went down uh, to the minor leagues. Obviously, we haven't seen him up here at the major league level yet, But he's having a good enough season that he made the Futures game. He was our only representative in the Futures game. And he comes in uh, in the second inning to save uh, one of his fellow pitchers. uh, And ends up going an inning and two-thirds. Goes the longest of any pitcher for the American League. And has a really good game. No hits, no runs, one walk, and two strikeouts in an inning and two-thirds. So our guy Cantillo showing up big. Who's at Columbus right now? And honestly, I mean, they they put a clip out of him on social media talking about his journey to get here, and it makes you root for the guy 100%. Uh, Cantillo has suddenly become someone I am very interested in his future here in Cleveland. So that's someone to keep an eye on down at AAA. Uh, You know, Cody Morris, Xavier Curry could still be stretched out to start if they needed it. Like, I'm, I'm not worried about the depth that we need to go get a guy like Connor Pilkington. So thank you, Marlon. Thank you for the email. Um, yeah, uh, the Futures game. So uh, even though the AL lost 5 nothing to the NL, uh, still great to see our guy, right? That's what these future games are all about. Uh, you want to check in, see if your guy did something cool, right? Represent the team. And I think Cantillo did. I, he was probably the best pitcher for the American League on the day and was throwing some gas, too. Getting it up there uh, in the high 90s with his fastball. So, uh, pretty exciting. Get excited about this guy. Uh, I don't know exactly where he sits on the top 30 prospects for the Guardians, but um, definitely someone to get excited about. And, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of pitching in this organization. Pitching is the one thing Cleveland always finds a way to come up with. They have got him right now as our 15th prospect. Left-hander, uh, foot four, uh, was drafted in the 16th round by San Diego. And he talked about that, like sitting there waiting. And you finally get that call, and you're, you're, you made it. You got drafted by somebody. Uh, he's only 23 years old. Uh, his fastball, they graded a 50, the curveball at a 45, the slider at a 45, the changeup at a 60, control 45, and overall 45. He was Gatorade's Hawaii Player of the Year in 2017. 
Um, so yeah, uh, pretty cool stuff there. Joey Cantillo, definitely keep an eye on him. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. You know, I'm sorry that I couldn't do the official Gavin Williams swing and miss fastball deep dive. Uh, I know it sounded fascinating. It was it was to me. Uh, maybe uh, we'll check back in on this and see if those numbers are updated tomorrow. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. I hope you got to check out those pitch charts that I was talking about with uh, with uh, Aaron Savali and Cal Quantrill to show you the movement they get on their pitches. If you didn't, I tweeted out those photos at Davey Barris. So go find them. Go to my profile. You'll find them in my most recent tweets. Um, it's pretty visually striking, the difference between them. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.